I am the children's pastor here at Thrive. If you're looking up here and you have no clue who I am, it's probably because you don't have kids in the back, and that's okay. Or you don't know where the coffee is, which is actually back around by the office area, and you'll pass me every time that you go back there. So it's cool because I was very nervous uh, earlier today, this past week, ever since I found out I was speaking. But it's, it's cool because the songs we were singing and what uh, Chris shared, it all kind of sat there, and I was like, oh, okay, God, you do have a plan. God, you, this is, you want me here. This is what you have for me. And it took me a while to get to that point until like five minutes ago. So as the children's pastor, Pastor Scott, uh, wanted me to be myself. So I brought up these handy-dandy balloons with me. They're on the back side of here. We use these in E4. We have some talkative, uh, fun, crazy-going kids. So what we do is we just pull one down. If they get too crazy, they usually get tickets. But today we have a special treat for you if it doesn't get too crazy in here and Chris doesn't act a fool, then hopefully they'll all still be up there, okay? <laughs> so we have something as we leave with that. But if I forget, which I probably will, because I'm going to be up here talking a lot, then just remind me when you go out. So it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And like I said earlier, I was a nervous wreck. Um, this all started at the end of May. We had just gotten back from a golf tournament and Pastor Scott was like, hey, let's meet. Let's have our fun Monday meetings that we do. And I'm like, okay, great. I was hoping we were going to cut out of here early. I was going to get a nap, and uh, that didn't happen. So we go through our meeting, and Chris, the forward planner that he is, thinks, hey, Pastor Scott, you'll be on vacation June 30th. Who's preaching? Well, if y'all know Pastor Scott, he likes to joke around a lot, and he goes, oh, Curtis is speaking. And I look at him, and I can't see Chris, and I'm like, okay, where's the wink at? Normally, if you know him well, he hits you with a quick little wink, or he does something so you know that I'm just joking, you're really not doing it. And it also wasn't planned that Chris was speaking last week, so I was like, oh, Chris will speak. This will be good. He's just kidding. No, that wasn't the case, obviously, because I'm standing here today. <laughs> so it is an honor to be here, though. And... What I want to talk about today is overcoming fear. Now, I don't know how you guys are, but me, I struggle with a lot of fear, obviously, because I was afraid to stand up on the stage. I have these fears of rejection, fear of failure, fear of man, fear of abandonment, fear of unknown. So I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but that's stuff that I struggle with. And it's all from this man-made uh, how I was raised, different things that happened throughout my life, people that have been in and out of my life. And what happens is, like in this meeting, this fear will just grip me and it'll control me. So Chris described that meeting when Pastor Scott said I was speaking as, yeah, I thought Curtis sucked all the air out of the room and I was wondering if he was ever going to breathe it back out so that I could breathe. And I would probably agree with him thinking back. And this was a journey because... It was a couple of days that we met after that, and it was like, okay, let's, let's talk about what this fear is. Where does this come from? And it really came from this place of not truly understanding or knowing the love of God. So I have a bunch of points that we'll get to in a little bit, but it was just this fear of, okay, you're not good enough. You can't be on that stage. You can't share. These people are smarter than you. They're wiser than you. But instead, I had to change 
And I had to let God work on me and say, you know what, Curtis? It doesn't matter about those things. What matters is that you're obedient to do what I'm calling you to do. And that's for each and every one of us. We have to be obedient to what God calls us to do, what he says. And we can't allow the world or man, other people, to determine what that is. Because if we do that, we're going to live a life that we're going to mask everything that we do to try to please other people. And when we try to please people, we're not truly being ourselves. So I have an object lesson. I'm really hoping it's back here. I put it back here the other day, and we'll see if it's still back here. Oh, yeah, perfect. So hopefully I don't hit anything or knock anything down. It's a lot longer whenever other people are in here. So I have this flex tube, and this is going to represent fear, okay? And you can take this, you can bend it, you can do whatever you really want. The other day I was having a hard time twisting it in a knot, but I think I can. This is actually what my stomach felt like during the meeting, just so y'all know, because I had no clue what was going to happen, what we were going to do. But what I want to show you is this is a spirit of fear that can bind us and can control us. But what happens is when we insert God's love, it's a lot harder than when I practice. I think I twisted it too many times. When we insert God's love into our lives, that fear can no longer bind us. It can no longer control us. It can't overtake us in what the things are. So, all right. So two scriptures I want to share to start. The first one, these are the things that God has been showing me, is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So when I read that, I think, okay, these fears are coming up, but those are not of God. Those are things that I'm struggling with because I'm not in the word. I'm not doing what God's called me to do. And honestly, I'm not taking a step back to say, okay, God, I may be afraid, but what is it that you have for me? Because if I walk out what God says and I walk in his power and I walk in his love, then I can't be stopped. I can do what he does through me. And then the second one is... Proverbs 12, 25, and it says, worry weighs a person down, an encouraging word cheers a person up. So this one really hits home as I'm standing here because, Chris, you can attest to this, Allie can attest to this. I was a little worried this entire week, but it was cool because I was reaching out to people. I was getting texts from people, and they're like, hey, you're going to do great. We're praying for you. Hey, we're praying for you. I think like 25 people told me that this morning. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is really cool. There are actually people that are praying for me. So it was cool that I had all this worry, but every time that they're saying something, it's building me up and making me believe, like, yeah, God really does have a plan for me. So there's five keys I want to talk about, and we'll hit them in a row. The first one, five keys to overcoming fear. The first one is knowing God's love. Now, For me, this was tough because as you talk about God, you think of the Father's love. So for me, I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom loved me as much as she could. She did everything that she could. And what happened, though, is there were always times that I would struggle. I would always try to cling to other people's dads or I would try to cling to this person so that I could feel the love that was missing. Now, nothing that she did wrong It's just something that happens in life. So we all have 
this love that is um, defined by our humanly relationships. It may not look like a single parent home. Your parent may have been there with you, but they may have been at work all the time and you may not had a relationship with them. So we all have different things that strain what our view of love is. But what I want to encourage you in is that God doesn't love that way. And I say that, but I'm also speaking that to myself because I'm just as much as everybody else, I'm walking through what I'm talking about. So God's love, it's, it's never ending. It doesn't fail. It never gives up. And no matter how far I go, no matter what I do wrong, no matter the situation that I'm in, the circumstance that I'm in where I may feel like, you know what, I'm not good enough, God is still there and he's still loving me. So I want to share a couple verses with you from that. The first one is 1 John 4, 9 and 10. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God's love is a love that we can't earn. It's a love that is undeserved. The only thing we can do is accept him into our life and allow it to flow through us, allow it to work in us. So when I read that, I'm like, wait, that goes against everything that I was taught. I don't know about y'all, but I'm always taught you have to do this. You have to do this to get better. You have to do this to earn this. And it just goes on and on and on to where you feel like I'm not good enough to meet this mark. So what happens is, okay, God, I know you love me, but if I mess up, then you're not going to love me anymore. That's where the fear of abandonment comes in. But when I keep reading after this is real love, I look at God took his only son, as Matt was saying earlier, and allowed him to die for each and every one of us. And this wasn't a quick, easy, painless death. No, Jesus walked the earth as a human. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was humiliated, spit on. Pretty much anything you could think of is what happened to Jesus. So when I look at that, I'm like, oh, wow, God gave his son for me? even though I don't deserve it, wow, that, that really, it really speaks to me. And just the way that God just shows it each and every day through people that are around us and people that have come to know him, it's just so amazing. The uh, next verse I want to share is 1 John 4.18, and it says, Such love has no fear. Perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I don't know about y'all, but that is me. To a T. But I'm growing in it. I'm allowing God to flow through me. And I'm, I'm marinating on, okay, God, what does this look like? But if I don't understand that God sent his son, there's nothing I can do to earn it. As Chris talked about last week, it's okay to not be good enough because that's when God works in us. So if we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. It's not afraid from, okay, God, you're not going to love me, but okay, what is Pastor Scott going to think if I get up on this stage and I completely bomb it? What is he going to think? What's going to happen if all these people leave today and they're like, wow, that was terrible. We're not coming back next week. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like all these things where it's like, okay, But all that does is it hinders me from doing what God's called me to do. So I've really had to grow in his love. Uh, The next verse is Psalms 13, 5. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. 
I will rejoice because you have rescued me. And in this, this is right before this, David felt forgotten. He was really struggling, but he was reminding us, God, I may be in this place where I don't understand, but I'm going to trust that your love is unfailing. I'm going to rejoice that you have saved me. So my encouragement is that when we're at that place of, okay, I I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I'm starting to feel like all these fears are coming up inside of me and say, stop and say, God, I know you love me. What I do doesn't matter, but I'm going to allow you to flow through me and just use me however it is that you have. Uh, The next verse is Psalms 118, 1 through 4. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all of Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let all who hear or who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures forever. So God's love endures forever. Now, I have another one. It's Psalms 136. I'll let you go back and read this one on your own. Because in all 26 verses, it says his faithful love endures forever. So if you're ever having a hard day and you can't remember how much you're loved, go back to Psalms 118 and Psalms 136. And it's a great reminder of how his love goes on and on for us. So the second point is we have to seek God continually. So I was really struggling getting in the word and um, going after God as much as possible. I kind of got in this uh, comfortable level of, okay, I'm doing a good job teaching kids ministry. I feel like I'm where God wants me to be. And I kind of just started coasting along. And then what happened is Pastor Scott said, hey, guess what? You're speaking. And I said, no, I'm not because I've not been in the word and I don't know what the word says right now. And I'm going to allow fear to control what I'm doing. Okay. I'm not doing it. But what I had to remember is, As I'm in God's word, as I'm marinating on these things, I go back and I'm like, God, it doesn't matter what people think because this is what you've called me to do. So the first verse from here is 1 Chronicles 16, 11. It says, search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. Great reminder. What should we do? We should seek after God. Everything that we do, we should ask him, God, is this what you have for me to do? If there's a job situation, a health situation, whatever it is, a financial, marital, whatever the situation may be, what we should do is say, God, what is it that you have for me? What do you want me to do? And when we seek what he has for us, then he'll speak to us. Now, sometimes you may not like the answer, like I'm still standing up on this stage speaking. (laughs) It wasn't exactly what I was thinking, because Pastor Scott told me, hey, we'll talk about it. We'll see if this is the right time. And to me, it wasn't the right time, but to God, I guess it was. So the uh, second verse from here is Colossians 2, 7, and it says, Let your roots grow deep or grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, I'm not much of a, uh, I think the right word's arborist. Is that right, Chris, about trees? Yeah, arborist, that's what I'm going with. So we have some very big trees out here by the house. And those trees, they have to go seeking and searching for water. And they, their roots, they grow very deep. And uh, too bad Clint's not in here. He could probably 
tell me everything I need to know about trees, but they just grow deep down into the ground. And now we have trees right outside of this wall here in this front flower bed area, and what happens is their roots aren't very deep. They're kind of surface level deep. And it's funny because when we have storms, those trees, sometimes they'll lose a couple limbs here and there, and they'll get shifted and different things, but they're still standing, they're still planted in the ground. These trees, if you go look up close, we have a couple of ropes tied to them. They're nailed into the ground. They have fallen over a couple of times. I've been out there. Chris is like, hey, push this tree this way while I hammer it in. And I'm like, Chris, my shoulder's getting tired. This tree's getting kind of heavy. So it's one of those things, though, where as we get in God's word, as we're diving into it, as we're seeking him and we're growing in his word, when the struggles, when the weight of the world tries to weigh us down, we're ready for it. We know what God says about us. He says that he loves us, and it doesn't matter. So we can go to him, and we can ask him for help. We can do the things that he wants us to do. The third point that I have of how to overcome fear is through prayer. And there was a lot of prayer for me this week from a lot of people here, and there was a lot of praying that I did. Uh, even yesterday, Allie's probably going to be a little frustrated that I'm sharing it now and didn't share it yesterday, but we were going on a walk, and we got done, and she's like, hey, I'm going to go a little bit longer, and I was like, okay, you have fun, but during that walk, <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, I'm not much for working out, so as we were going on that walk, I began to think, oh my goodness, it's not much longer before I have to get up on that stage and speak, and all of the fear that I felt when we first had our meeting started coming back up. And it just kept going and going. I'm like, okay, how am I going to go up on this stage and talk about all of these things that I felt like God was showing me? Well, I had to take a step back and I had to say, okay, Curtis, you need to look at what God was showing you then because you are still struggling with those things. And what I did was I found the verse Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I sat down at their desk, and I was sitting there. I was like, God, I am nervous. I'm afraid to get on that stage. I don't know how this is going to go over, but you tell me to pray, and you will take that away from me. You will give me peace, so that's what I need right now. And it was funny because it wasn't this eloquent eloquent prayer of just these big fancy words I exactly how I said I said I don't know what to do I need you to take this worry and fear away and what happened is it was cool because I could feel all this pressure just kind of cease and it wasn't there anymore and I was like oh I need to keep reading this verse more often whenever I'm going through stuff so it's crazy that we we have this great communication tool with God which is prayer and sometimes when things hit, we often forget about it. We often forget that he wants us to talk to him. He already knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're going through. So why not just be honest with him? Why not say, God, you know what? I don't feel like I'm good enough to be up on that stage, but you tell me I am. So guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be scared when I do it, but I'm still going to do it. So we have to remember that we have that great communication tool with him. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17, it says, never stop praying. And obviously that verse speaks for itself. I don't really need to add much to that one. 
Uh, Psalms 34, 4, it says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. So when we reach out to God, when we tell him, hey, God, I'm really struggling. I don't know what, what this looks like. If we have a health result or a financial result and we're, we're struggling with what that's going to look like, we need to ask God for his wisdom, ask God for his help. And he promises that he will answer us. Now, the hard part is sometimes the way he answers us is not the way we want it to be. And that can be a little bit discouraging, but we have to take a step back and say, God, I want whatever your will is for me to be what's done. I don't want what Curtis wants to be done, because if I could do everything that Curtis would want to do, I wouldn't be standing on this stage right now. I would be in the back with the ones that are a lot smaller and not as, well, they probably are more judging, actually. So, <laughs> But... So it's one of those things that we have to be real with God. He already knows everything that's going on, so why not just tell him, hey, God, I'm struggling today. Hey, God, this is a rough week. So I just encourage you, let's be real, let's be open, let's be honest with God. And I feel like when we do that, when we allow him to be in every situation with us, that things are going to look completely different in our own personal lives. It'll look different in this church. It'll look different in the community of people that you're around as well. The um, fourth point that I have is uh, to overcome fear, we have to trust God. Now, this can be difficult because what happens is God may call us to do something. So for me, I felt God called me into ministry in my around 25-ish, I don't know. I'm not good with numbers. So call me into ministry around 25. That was the last thing I wanted to do. But God began working on my heart, and he began to kind of process with me, hey, this is what I want you to do. And I was like, okay, well, if you want me to do it, you're going to have to pretty much show me everything to do. So I did some online classes just because I was like, I know nothing about this. I don't know what to do, so let's do it. So I took some online classes, and I ended up going – to talk to a pastor at a local church about a um, internship. And I went first, and I met with a pastor, and we had a great time, and it felt like it was the right thing, but I was still doing these classes. And he told me, he said, hey, we have camp in VBS that we do, so you probably will have two or three weeks where you cannot do any schoolwork. You just won't have enough time. You'll be too tired. And I was like, okay, well, let me think about this and see if it's the right fit. Well, at that time... It wasn't the right fit, and I called him back. I said, hey, just so you know, I, that just, I don't know if that's going to be the right fit. So a couple months down the road, um, I talked to him. I think it was in December, and it was a different children's pastor. So I went in, met with him. Everything seemed fine. He's like, hey, usually we only do a three-, four-month internship, but if you want to start today or this week, we'd love to have you, and you can stay with us now until summer, and you can stay through summer, and I'm like, okay, that'll work, like, I'm, I'll, I got some schoolwork I have to finish, he's like, yeah, that'll be fine, you can even work on it while you're in the office, if you need to come in early, do whatever, and I'm like, okay, cool, so I'll try to speed this story up, so what happens is, I go through this whole internship process, and I'm getting to the end of it, and I'm like, okay, I'm asking him, and I'm asking God, okay, what do you want me to do, 
And he is telling me, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to figure something out for you. And I feel like that's the place I'm supposed to be. So I'm like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm just not going to do anything. And I'm just going to sit here and wait. So we went on family vacation, I think. And um, I get a phone call from him. And this was the week after my internship started. That day that we went on vacation, he calls me and says, hey, guess what? We have a full-time job ready for you. Um, it'll have benefits. It'll have this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, you're pretty much going to do the same role. We'll have you do a little bit more teaching, a little bit more stuff. But we really want you here. We feel like you're supposed to be here. And I don't even know if I asked Allie. I think I did. But I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. This is what I'm supposed to do. So God just unveiled this plan for me. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to step out. So two years down the road, I was there and still doing the same thing, and I probably got to that point of being a little comfortable and a little, you know, I was fine with what was going on. <laughs> so what happened is I ended up applying for a um, children's pastor job that they had at a different location. Well, my thought is I've been here for two years. I've been doing it. That's got to be what God has for me. He's just going to move me over here. But that's not what happened. And it's taken me a long time to come to the point of, okay, God, you had to take me out of that position because I was so comfortable there to put me somewhere else that you wanted me to go. And I ended up visiting a couple of different churches. We came and visited this one, and Allie and, Allie and I leave, and she goes, I think this is where we're supposed to be. And I said, okay, let's give it another week. I don't know if this is where we're supposed to be, Okay. <laughs> Sometimes the Spirit of God speaks to our wives faster than it speaks to us. So we, we go and we visit another church, and then we come back because we didn't know where to go the next week, and we uh, visit here again. And we walk in, and people are like, hey, Curtis, hey, Allie, how are y'all doing? And we're like, how do you know our names? We've only been here one time. This is weird. Like, what y'all doing? And so we sit through service, and it was, it was that... When we leave, we get in the car, and Allie's like, so, uh, do you feel it yet? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is where we're supposed to be, but God's really going to have to open something up because I don't know how this is going to work. So it ends up, I end up getting hired on staff here full time. I live in the house right over there, so please don't call me if you need anything. Just don't show up at the church for no reason. If you really need something, please feel free. Come knock on the door. But if it's just for... Nah, just call me. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> so I say all this to say there were these steps and there was things that God kind of unveiled to me in different ways of, hey, I got you. This is what I've called you to do. You can trust me. The hard thing is when something happens, like you feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and that doesn't happen. You have to take a step back and say, okay, God, this manly, fleshly side of me is struggling because I felt like that was it. But really, God's saying, hey, just trust me. Let's come this way. This is better than what you want to do. And you have to take a step back, and you have to take a step in his direction. So uh, John 14, 1, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And that was actually Jesus speaking. It's just a great reminder of when our worry and fear and doubts and anything starts to hit that we just have to remember we can trust in God and all that he wants to do with us. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. So that kind of goes back to seeking God as well. But we have to trust God with everything that we have and everything that we are. And in every situation, every circumstance that we face, we have to continue to seek him and ask him to guide us. In Psalms 56, 3, it says, but when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. So when I'm scared, when I'm worried, when I have those thoughts of, okay, what are people going to think about me? I have to remember, you know what? It ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is I'm doing what God's called me to do. And if God wants me to stand on the stage and preach, I guess that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> the uh, last point is we have to remember that we're never alone. God is with us, and also people are with us if we allow them to be. So John 14, 15 through 17, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So we have to remember God, when we accept Christ into our life, God has given us what we need. He's given us the Holy Spirit that will walk and take steps with us. He's with us in every step that we make. Any decision that we have, we can say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you have for us? There, I'm going to tell this quick story. We were playing a game in the modular for a young adults thing. And you had to remember certain things. And there was a lady um, at the church, and she was playing. And she, all of a sudden, she goes, Holy Spirit, what's the answer? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, girl, what you talking about? We're just playing a game. <laughs> like, what? And all of a sudden, she shouts out the answer. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, it works. So it's just a reminder in that simple game thing where it's like, oh, God can remind us of these simple things. He can bring the thoughts back to us. But even in the difficult things that we face, the Spirit of God is with us every step that we take. Uh, Joshua 1.9, it says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So wherever you go, who is with you? God is. So if I go this way, God is with me. And if I go to my left, God is with me. No matter what path I take, he is always with me. But it is so much easier if we ask him and seek him and figure out where he wants us to go, not where we want to go. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, it says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So again, when we're facing things, we, God is telling us he is always there with us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to let the weight and pressures of the world weigh down on us. All we have to do is remember that he is there for us. He cares for us. And ultimately, he loves us. Uh, Psalms 23, 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, no matter how bad things may seem in my life, I can remember that God is always there 
beside me. He's always there for me. Uh, the second part of that, like I said earlier, was people can be there for us. I don't know about y'all, but I have a hard time trusting people because I've been let down by people before. So when I say people can be there for you, don't just go and share everything with everybody. You want to find people that you know have your best interests at heart and they love you and they care about you because what you don't want to do is just go walk up to somebody you just met and say, hey, this is what I'm going through because what's typically going to happen is they're going to share it with somebody else. It's going to go to somebody else, to somebody else. It's going to come back to you and you're like, wait, I'm never sharing anything with anybody else ever again. So I encourage you to try to find people and it comes through trust, it comes through a relationship, it comes through honestly just having open conversation with people. I've grown a lot in this with Pastor Scott and Chris and Allie, and it's been one of those journeys where it's like, okay, this is what I'm going through, but I know when I talk to them and I share it, they're looking out for my best interest. They're not looking at, okay, hey, guess what? You're not good enough, you're not, you're not gonna do a good job. Chris, this past week, has been, and Allie, I won't single him out, have been a huge encouragement to me. But in our office time, Chris has been like, hey, you know what? God has a plan for you. God has orchestrated this whole thing because Pastor Scott could have asked him to speak. But he didn't because he felt like God had a plan for me to be up here. And it's been great to just have people, uh, like I said earlier, texting me and reaching out and saying, hey, you know what? We've been praying for you. And that's one of the greatest things we can do is to be people of encouragement that reach out and just say a quick prayer. Now, if you're not going to pray, don't send the text is all I got to say. It's comforting, <laughs> but once people actually pray for you, then you start to feel it and those fears start to go away. But if you're just going to text it, don't, don't even send the text. Just... So uh, Romans 1.12, it's... Uh, Paul writes this, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. So it's a great reminder of when we gather in places and when we're together, we need to be people that are encouraging. The last thing that we need to do as a church is come into this place and tear people down. People are going to come in hurting. People look different. People have been through different things. And as believers, as people that have God living in them, have the spirit living in them, the last thing we want to do is make people feel like they're not good enough, that they don't belong here. What we want to do is we want to be, well, we want to walk out the first, all four words, but embrace and encourage people wherever they're at. No matter what they're struggling with, we want to make sure that when they come in this place, that we're lifting them up, we're building them up, we're meeting them where they're at. There's no mark that you have to hit with God. And there's no mark as believers that people should have to hit. Because we've all we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we just have to remember that. Um, Colossians three sixteen and 17, I think, Andy. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Can you go back to verse 16? All right, this is the part I wanted to hit. It says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he 
gives. This is not a teaching council with your own wisdom. We should, when we're talking to people, we should be in contact with God. We should say, God, what is it that you want me to speak? And when we go into meetings with people um, that are struggling with stuff, as a pastor, the worst thing I can do is say, okay, God, you just sit at the door. I'm gonna, I can handle this one, okay? No, what I have to do is I have to say, God, use me. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. But just use me however you see fit. Use me as a vessel to speak through me. And as I'm seeking wisdom from him, and he will give it to me, that's whenever I should speak. It shouldn't be a man-made, this is the first step, this is the second step, this is the third step. No, this is what God wants you to know. And it's even better if you can back it up with scripture. The uh, next verse is Thessalonians 5, 11. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. It's just a great reminder that that's what we need to do. We need to lift each other up. We need to encourage one another and just not tear each other down. The last verse I have is Hebrews 10, 25. It says, let us not neglect meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially that the day of his return is drawing near. So God's coming back, and before he gets here, we need to make sure that we're doing the best that we can to encourage others. We need to be people of God that allow his love to flow through us, and as that happens, hopefully we will bring others to Christ. They'll be able to see a difference in us than what the world has to offer, and they'll want to grow and want to know what it is that he has. 